everybody! Welcome all to this week's Instagram Live episode. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Alyssa, um, and I get to host these conversations every week, um, and they have been such a joy and a delight. Um, and today, um, I'm hopeful for another great conversation. Um, so a quick update before we get totally rolling. Um, these are now available on the podcast. Um, at least the last four, I'm bumping into a little bit of technical difficulties. So hopefully more will be following. But um, at least the last four, minus the one from last week, are on the podcast now. Um, so if you wanted to watch these but you haven't had a time to like sit down and look at your phone, um, you now can listen to them in a, li- in a way that's a little bit more mobile. So um, getting started in the episode, um, we will be ha- um, spending time with Andrew today um, talking about our core value of our commitment to the lost On Sunday, Andrew walked us through different interactions with Jesus in the Gospels um, and his posture towards those who others deemed scum and notorious sinners. He mentioned four practical ways we can follow the way of Jesus as we proclaim Jesus' love for the lost and the marginalized among us um, through prayer, humility, invitation, and witness. Um, And we are going to talk more about that today. We will have Andrew in here. Let's see. This part is always takes a little hot minute. There you are. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. Great. All right. Oh, gosh. Okay. No. Readjust my camera there. Okay. So um, I'd love to jump right in today talking about um the heart of jesus um i loved that you focused on the heart of jesus for those who are lost um and contrasted it a bit to the way um that the lost are often portrayed um at least in the western church like like tiny messiahs running around trying to like win points of who can convert the most people um because I know for me, and I've talked about this a little on the podcast before, um, but in a way similar to like with misconceptions about the word missionary, um, I struggle with that terminology of the lost. I think just because it feels to me, um, it's almost like a little pretentious, like it's in reinforcing that dichotomy between the churched and the non-churched. Um, yeah. and with that with that idea that we're the ones doing the finding Um, so obviously those are incorrect misconceptions about the term but i would love to sit in there a little bit um and talk about what you call the um the categorization of people by religious people versus um the compassion that we see from god um, so could you just talk a little bit more about that distinction um, and what that could look like in our context? Yeah, sure. So I think first off, words, words, their meaning change over time, right? So I think lost, when we talk about lost people, right? Yeah, it can feel pretentious because we grew up in a world where it was used in like a 
almost like a condescending way, right? Like, right. So, but I think like I was trying to communicate Sunday is for Jesus, that was not, Jesus wasn't othering people or, you know, you know making them feel, he wasn't trying to further marginalize them by using that word. For him, it was a, a term of compassion. Um, yeah, when you think about those stories, you know, the father didn't value the prodigal or lost son in Luke 15 any less than he valued the older brother. He didn't, the coin that was lost and then found didn't have any less value than the other coins. Mm -hmm. And same with the sheep. Um, so for Jesus, in the way that he talked about people, um, it, yeah, it, it didn't carry that weight that you and I feel yeah. because of our experience, right? Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. church and the world. And what was the second part of your question? Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. So I was just wondering, I guess, what that looks like in our How can we um, adopt those same behaviors of, of Jesus? Like, what can we learn from Jesus's behavior for those of us who grew up and, and are now good at, like, playing church? Yeah. Like, what can we learn instructions? It's interesting because I think, at least for me and the way that, like, I'm built, it's really, I don't know if easy to learn is the right way to say it, but it's just something that's so easy to accept because it's something that I want. Like, I, <laughs> like the way that Jesus treated people is so better, so <laughs> much better than, like, the, yeah, that, the weird division that was sort of created um, I guess over the years in the Western church, the way we talked about and interacted with lost people um, yeah. is just so different. Like even, I mean, we have to figure it out as God's people, as Jesus people, because, you know, even when you look at any given church, pretty much on a Sunday morning, we tend to, be more attractive to religious insiders and, you know, make people who are maybe seeking or searching or who aren't believers yet, don't, you know, are exploring what's going on. They, they don't feel as welcome or as safe. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Jesus and the way the crew of people that he rolled with, it was just so, different it was like a space where those people felt welcome and the religious insiders were the ones who felt slighted by that mm -hmm. um, and so it's just really interesting to think about what church could look like as we try to learn to be more like jesus yeah yeah it makes me think of that like uh you know how when people say it's like speaker friendly churches like yeah. it's, I think, um, that's sort of what it made me think of while you're, while you're saying that. Yeah, you know, totally. Sure. A way that we put things where it's like, church is not supposed to be like secretly. It should be something. Sure. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think, and I mean, God uses everything. He uses all of our efforts, right? Right no matter how imperfect they are. But I think a lot of churches 
that would consider the, themselves seeker friendly still maybe miss that mark of while it's a you know again a valiant effort miss that mark of attracting the same people who hmm. Jesus attracted because really yeah. the goal of a lot of seeker friendly churches is maybe to attract like middle class to upper middle class mm -hmm. Americans, which isn't the same as like culturally marginalized and notorious sinners. It's like, it's still a different, different yeah. thing, I think. Yeah, that's good. Um, so along those lines of serving people that, people that come into church often, um, I think it's perfect that we're, I'm talking to you today because I would love, I know you have um, the nonprofit Ruja that you started um, and I yeah. would love to hear your story with that, like how, how that got started, um, what's been the journey of it as you've worked with it, um, where yeah. do you see that heart of Jesus come through, all that. Yeah, so I could, I could talk about this one for a while. Um, I, so I guess like eight, nine years ago, nine, nine years ago now, I was uh, working as a youth pastor, um, sort of like in a volunteer role, teaching at a little Christian school in town, um, and had another side job. Um, and I, I was doing like a lot of Christian things, mm -hmm. um, but I just became really overwhelmed with almost exactly what we're talking about, which is this realization that the people that Jesus spent his life with and for were very different than the people that I spent my life with. Like I knew zero marginalized people. I like, <laughs> I was not close to the poor at all. And yeah. so I, uh, sorry, I was just checking on my daughter. She's crawling around down here exploring. Uh, <laughs> I, was just overwhelmed by that, like the question of what would it look like for me to follow Jesus as somebody who's working at a church and in a Christian school? Um, what would it look like if I began to follow Jesus more? And I remember specifically there was this time we were doing a Bible study through David Platt's Radical. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, um, but it was like the stuff at the time. It was like the hot book. Um, <laughs> And it's all about really this concept of like, what would you do? What would it look like if you gave everything away to follow Jesus? Hmm. And I remember the small group that I was in, there was like this uh, real excitement at the beginning of the, the Bible study. And, you know, people were talking about what would it look like to, you know, sell our houses and move into neighborhoods to, you know, reach people and to, you know, live in community together, all this, these yeah. cool conversations. But as the study progressed, there was like this depression that almost set in on the group when everyone kind of realized like, we're not going to do any of this. Like we're talking about it, but it's mm. too hard. And so I remember having this moment where I was like, I could be sitting in a small group 10 years from now asking the same exact questions and never have taken any steps to actually experience it. So long story short, I decided to go to Uganda <laughs> because I had read a couple books that had talked about Uganda 
And I just, I felt like I needed to experience my faith in a different part of the world, get out of my bubble a little bit. And so I went to Uganda for a month and um, crazy, there's so many crazy stories about this trip. Actually, there was this one moment where I, so I had 24 hours to buy my plane ticket to go on this trip. I'm rabbit trailing a little bit here. No, no, go for it. <laughs> but I had 24 hours to buy my plane ticket and um, I was a thousand dollars short of what I needed to buy to go. And so I took my guitar downtown and was just gonna like play some music and see if I could make a few bucks. Well, as I'm opening my guitar case, this guy comes up to me on a bicycle and asks me what, I do, what I'm doing. I tell him, he asks me to follow him to his office and he writes me a check for a thousand dollars on the spot. What? Yeah, crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so anyways, I ended up going on this trip and it was just, it was what I needed. It was what my faith needed at the time. You know, I needed to see, um, I needed to see the book of Acts happening in real life. Like I needed to see that kind of faith. <laughs> uh, my daughter's outside. I can see her walking outside right now. <laughs> oh, no. Dad of the year right here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, was there for a month and spent the first part of the time at, you know, home for kids with uh, HIV and special needs and was just blown away watching the people serve them day in and day out and love them and care for them. And then spent the second half of the trip on the other side of the country um, with some YWAM graduates who were like starting a ministry. And they're actually the group that we ended up partnering with. Um, mm. And so I mean, long story short, I saw the faith and that I wanted to see that I wanted for my own life and these people and, and the way that they were living and following Jesus, sacrificing their own comfort and security to, um, yeah, to do what Jesus did. And these were like, these were Ugandans. Um, and yeah, I was just blown away by their faith and it changed me. And long story short, I started, I keep saying that, but it's really... <laughs> to keep being a long story that's right i made a bunch of backpacks um and i was just going to start a business for myself like a side business mm -hmm. uh, but then god kind of connected the dots for me in that place because after i got back from uganda because i was in a fairly dark place like i was very very cynical towards the church mm -hmm. um just like this jaded uh spirit and God connected the dots for me, like use this idea to um, serve and care for the people that, you know, you've met in Uganda. And so long story short, <laughs> got in touch with them. And yeah, we, we got a house and started taking in kids um, from off the street, kids who were, it was like literally the worst of the worst kids who didn't have any living family to take care of them. Um, kids who um, local like the police would bring to us to watch them. And so, yeah, we ended up with like eight kids at one point. Um, we had one girl who recently graduated nursing school and is working as a midwife in Uganda. Another girl who actually next month is graduating um, d a design school. And so she's going to be doing like a lot of, uh, she's actually going to work for us and, she's going to run like a sewing wing for uh, pregnant mothers and single mothers in the community where we work. 
And then, sorry, I'm trying to fit a lot of stuff into a short amount of time. Oh, we have time. But we also, we also opened a medical clinic uh, two years ago. And that's like one of the main things we do now. Um, so yeah, we've, I, we've been doing that for almost nine years now. Um, and just see, seeing God move in so many crazy ways. I think just some of those stories of redemption that I was just sharing of, yeah. you know, God taking those who are, you know, completely marginalized and just elevating them to, you know, this place where now they're serving and loving people like Jesus did. Um, and yeah, I'm just grateful to be a part of it. It's, it's changed me, I think, more than I've had an impact on anything there. That's for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I love, I love that. So Mark, you just mentioned that like invitation, right? How your invitation led to others. Um, so going back to that idea of Jesus's invitation to us, um, if we are in a place where we're like, oh man, I don't know how I would ever like be able to hear God calling me to do something. I don't know where I would start. What are, do you have any encouragement to someone who's like, I don't know how to like discern God's voice or invitation to me? What would you say in that circumstance? Oh man, I think it depends on who the person is, but I think one, we can all, we can all hear God's voice. God can speak to any one of us at any moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think for those of us, especially who are, seasoned um, Christians, people who've been in the church for a long time, we just have to slow down a little bit and create space mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's super easy for me to be like, I want God to show up and give me an answer right now where I'm at on my terms. Like I want him to yeah. interrupt via commercial on Netflix and tell me <laughs> exactly what I need to do. But a lot of times God, you know, doesn't just show up when we're sitting in our lazy boy. We've got to get out and yeah. you know, create some space for him to show up and speak to us because we live in a crazy, noisy world, crazy, fast-paced world that I think, you know, a lot of times, unless we make some effort, it is going to be difficult to hear his voice. But in terms of someone who's like, who's maybe new to the faith or exploring, I would say just ask. Like, just mm -hmm. ask God to speak to you. And I really, I really think he will. I think he wants to. Like, he wants it more than we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if you, um, in the vein of prayer, do you have um, any spiritual practices um, or, like, rhythms around prayer that have you that have been useful for you um like what has that journey of prayer been like because I know I love that um practices are called you know spiritual practices um, yeah. because we're gonna be great at it right away right it's be yeah. a practice. um so yeah what are, are some do you have any like specific spiritual like practices or disciplines around prayer that you found to be helpful? Sure. So I grew up like, I grew up with this idea of prayer that was 
I think, you know, into my adulthood, it just felt like it got so mundane and so boring even where it just felt like it was obviously asking God for a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It was more me talking than listening. And so yeah. I'd say, you know, probably in the last few years, especially, I've really come to love different forms of like contemplative prayer, like listening prayer. Um, just the idea of, you know, prayer isn't me talking at God, but it's a two-way conversation. And I think I'm best served when I just listen. Um, so I love, I love listening. I just love listening to God. That's, I think, what's best for my soul. Um, it looks a lot like meditation, I think. Um, and just creating space, silence, being outside a lot of times. I like to go sit on my back porch sometimes and just in the morning when the sun's rising, kind of listen to the wind. And I can hear the sound of the interstate a little bit too, but I don't find it. Neither does God. Um, yeah, just create space like that. I, there's lots of different practices, honestly, that I've learned in the last few years. They're like still very new to me, like centering prayer. Um, I, I'm enrolled at Fuller Seminary. And one of the first classes I took was really basically a spiritual formation class. Um, and so I got introduced to all these practices that were not part of my faith tradition that are like, that run deep in like Catholic and Orthodox traditions, but really are like frowned upon by a lot of, you know, Protestant evangelical circles, or at least have been up until recently. Um, so I'd say that was like really, really awesome for my, yeah, my relationship with God is just learning some more of those. I actually, I read that question beforehand and I got a couple, I pulled a couple books out like that would be good oh. for uh, um, oh. anybody interested in like spiritual mm -hmm. practices and getting started. The first one is the ruthless elimination of hurry. This is, you've heard of this one. This is like fairly yeah. popular. Um, love John Mark Comer, but this is a great primer to kind of wet your palate for spiritual practices and developing rule of life. Um, the other one is I think a little, not quite as well known, cover is torn off because I have a one-year-old daughter, but it's called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. Yeah, and Ruth Haley Barton is like a spiritual director and she's great. That's a, another great primer to some different spiritual practices. Yeah, that's, I love both those people. Yeah, they're um, great. There's, so if anybody's listening also that wants more of that too, I'm listening to um, John Mark Homer and friends have a new podcast out called Rule of Life Podcast. Yeah. Uh, talking about Sabbath right now, first couple episodes, but that's also really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited because they're launching the whole, uh, like the, the practices for churches to do spiritual right. formation courses. And yeah. I'm signed up for that. So pretty excited about it. That's so great. Yeah, it yeah. sounds going to be really good. Um, all right. So I think one more question I would love to talk to you about. Um, yeah. uh, maybe two. That's okay. Maybe I'm two. here for okay. it. All right. So um, as I'm trying to decide where I want to, where I want to go with this. Okay. I think we'll do, I think we'll do this one. So you um, had this 
beautiful statement about proclamation. Um, and I wanted to talk to Bob about proclamation last week, but we ran out of time. So now I'll talk to you about it. Uh, so the sentence that you said, and then we'll spend a little bit of time there. Uh, yeah. You said proclamation is in proclamation is an invitation. We respect the freedom of the hearers, and it's never done in a. The church proposes, never imposes anything on the lost. Yeah. Um, was, and that I, was actually, so that quote was actually Pope John Paul II. Was it? Well, the, the church, uh, in, the church proposes it never imposes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's very good. <laughs> it is. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear you talk about what it looks like to connect proclamation to invitation. How do those things interact? How do we see those things connecting? Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's interesting because we filter all this stuff through our experience, right? For me, proclamation was mostly like all that I knew. Like, yeah, there was no like middle ground between meeting someone and like taking them through Romans Road. Okay. Like there was no, there was nothing else. It was just like zero to 60. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus didn't demand that Matthew pray the sinner's prayer before he became his disciple, right? Like none of these guys, these guys had no idea what they were getting into. Yeah. But Jesus said, come and see. I think so, so often we have like these church circles, right? I don't know. I'm visualizing, visualizing it like a circle where there's, there's like this line and you're either in or you're out. Right? Like, make a decision, in or out. Who are you? Mm -hmm. But that's not what faith is. I think it's, a, it's an invitation to a journey. That's what it was when Jesus invited the disciples. Um, and really, when he invited anybody, it wasn't like this in or out. I think that's where the labels come back in, too, right? Where it's like, I'm in. Like, I'm not yeah. the lost sheep, I'm the found sheep. Yeah. Uh, you're lost, and you need to get over here. Where I think in reality, like, that invitation is always present. Like, mm -hmm. Jesus is still inviting me to come and see. He's mm -hmm. inviting all of us to come and see. I think the problem is sometimes when we think we're found, we stop listening to it. We stop mm -hmm. hearing that. Um, and so I'm inviting people. When I'm inviting someone to follow Jesus or you know, to come to my house for dinner or hang out in the front yard and have dessert, whatever it is, I'm inviting people on the same journey that I'm on, right? Maybe a different phase of the journey. Yeah. Um, but I'm not asking them to enroll in seminary. And, yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> with you. Yeah, well, it sounds like what you're saying almost is that the invitation is the proclamation almost like like our inviting is the is it's part the of it message from jesus that sort yeah. of yeah so i think it's part of it i mean i think there are definitely going to be these opportunities that we all have as we invite people where we get to like very clearly proclaim mm -hmm. the reign of god and the invitation of jesus who he is yeah but, you know um 
but I don't think we always have to lead with that. I, yeah. You know, Jesus himself did it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope that kind of answers. That's great. Thank you. I'm still figuring it out, too. No, you're good. And it's, it's that whole process of it's hard to do, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. So you said this in your clothing, your closing prayer. Um, and I thought it was beautiful and would just be a beautiful way to. So you said where we are disengaging, God is not disengaging. Um, yeah. And I, like, where we are or confused or having a hard time, God is not any of those things. Um, so what can that truth that God is not disengaging um, tell us about God? Um, and why is that so important? Yeah, well, I think it speaks to his mission. It's that like pressure that, you know, I've felt a lot of my life to every lost person I meet to, to make the proclamation pitch, you know? But the reality is, is that it's not my mission, it's God's. It's, you know, God's constantly engaging the people all around us and seeking ways to, you know, work in their life and call them to himself. So I think it like, it takes the pressure off, you know, it lets us, it lets us rest and listen to his voice rather than the voice in our head that's obligation and guilt. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, ultimately it's not our job to win people to Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's God's job. Like that's what he does. Um, yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, it, it just helps in that area and I think in every other area too. It's God's present now. He's present with us everywhere and always always working. Just there's a peace that comes with that. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, bye. Oh yeah, for sure. I caught a little bit of that. You're you're cutting out now all of a sudden, but well, maybe it's time. Before we before we totally wrap, if everyone can hear me, um I have been requested to make a quick announcement. Wonder School needs um some donations for their raffle baskets. Um their fundraiser is Saturday. Um and they need anything to put in a basket the themes are movies um baking with kids and arts and crafts so if you have anything that could be put in a raffle basket of those themes you can drop off at wonder school from to three today tomorrow what's today tuesday today tomorrow or thursday if that sounds like something anybody wants to do all right wonder school have school, baby. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. 
We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.